right, how is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I am very, very excited to be talking to Bob Ashok, who is one of the creators of Neuron Labs. Welcome to the show. How is it going? How's it going, Matt? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I am intrigued to learn more about what you're working on. It's a realm I don't know so much about, so I'm excited to dive in. And with that, let's just go right into it. Can you tell us a little more about, uh, about your company? Yeah, sure. So Neuron Labs is building a real-world neural layer consisting of neural nets that each operate over a specified location. And uh, this is in order to improve uh, safety and reliability. Uh, the first uh, application we're looking at self-driving cars because that's the, the most imminent and uh, the most kind of safety critical application. So we really hope to have a huge impact there. Um, the way location specific networks help is by learning the distinct visual distribution of that uh, location, as opposed to you know, learning a data set which attempts to generalize across you know, everything. Because uh, ideally you'd be operating the self-driving car at a specific location at any point in time, not every location. Absolutely. So there's a few things I want to dive into, and there's going to be some topics that might seem basic to you, but I am trying to you know, understand, and I'm sure some of the, the audience wants to dive into. So let's kind of start on a high, high level. Can you define or kind of explain what a neural network is and what makes them so freaking powerful? Yeah, sure. So uh, a neural network is uh, basically boils down to math, right? So you have a bunch of um, layers which each have a linear function associated with it. And then you stack these on top of each other and you can learn a complex data set this way. So uh, the applications of this uh, include, you know, uh, what we've already seen like uh, image classification, recommendation uh, systems like their YouTube recommendations, they're all powered by neural nets. Uh, the basic premise is if you collect a lot of data, you can train a model to learn the patterns of the data to produce uh, interesting uh, inferences. So, so uh, is, is neural networks and AI, are they the same thing? Or is a neural network a part of AI? Or is AI a part of neural networks? You know, how, how, do, how does, no, I'm like a total novice to this, which is why I'm so excited about, you know, I get to learn right. about something I know nothing about. So how, do, how does AI and neural networks like kind of relate to each other? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there's a lot of like philosophical uh, discussion on where this, the whole uh, ontology of this belongs. But uh, I'd say neural networks are part of uh, deep learning, which is a part of AI, right? Or uh, more specifically, I'd say deep learning is a, a subset of neural networks, which is a subset of AI. Uh, it's basically a technique which AI encompasses, which allows you to uh, learn a data set and produce interesting results from that. Uh, so is a couple more questions on like kind of this topic and then I want to dive specifically into what, you, what you're working on more specifically. Sure. So something I, a company that I follow, I guess a nonprofit I follow is OpenAI and like it's Sam Altman's, you know, you know, nonprofit to help make sure like AI doesn't take over the world and pretty much, right. I mean, obviously it's a little more <laughs> nuanced than that. Yeah. But I know that OpenAI like beats 
uh, they play Dota, or it plays Dota, and it and it wins. Is is neural networks at play there? Where where as as the player is playing, it's like learning through all the data, and then it, it, it's it making inferences, and then it's making decisions based on those inferences. Like, is that is that an example of that this at play? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I believe um, OpenAI uses a bunch of uh, general machine learning techniques. Uh, neural networks are definitely one of them, but they also use uh, this approach called reinforcement learning, which um, basically lets you learn from uh, an environment as opposed to just raw data. So every action you take in that environment gives you a reward, and you learn by reinforcing those rewards in your model. Uh, the key, I think, um, which kind of distinguishes OpenAI's uh, Dota to uh, AI engine is that you, they actually learn from self-supervision. So you can actually play a lot of games uh, between AIs and uh, kind of learn that way. So it's really like kind of an exponential uh, increase in the amount of data if you think about it. Yeah. So I think uh, the, the, most of the power comes from data. Definitely. Well, cool. So let's shift back to, to Neuron Labs. So I'm curious, uh, let's go a little bit of the backstory. What was the reason that you wanted to start this company? Right. So um, the impetus for starting the company actually came about from uh, the previous roles I've worked in. So I've worked at Google uh, in a large scale uh, machine learning, deep learning, uh, computer vision team. And I've also worked at Niantic. And what I've observed uh, in my past roles is that there's a huge gap uh, between the academic application of deep learning and the real world application of deep learning. So uh, there almost always is a gap. And this gap stems from what's known as the long tail phenomenon. So uh, we, the real world usually follows a long tail distribution of events. So a few events occur with really great frequency, but there are a lot of events which are really rare and one-off or have lower frequency. And the neural net typically learns the former, which is called the head, as opposed to the long tail. So uh, they don't really generalize nearly as well as you would think. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. It, so is Neuron, I might've missed this, but is Neuron Labs trying to, or, or successfully kind of aiming for the long tail? Or, are you, or is Neuron also aiming to build neural nets for the, for the former? Um, so we, we, we want to capture the full distribution. Okay. So both the head and the long tail. And I think uh, the location specific aspect of this is key because once you bound your geographic region of operation, you can then better bound the long tail. So let me give you an example to better sure. clarify this. So um, it's very unlikely that you're gonna see a palm tree in the middle of Manhattan in New York, right? You're, right. you're mostly gonna see yellow cabs, uh, you know, really crowded, small streets, buildings and people. So uh, by imposing these kinds of priors on your uh, model, uh, you can actually bound the long tail and you can better identify things which are unexpected if you know what to expect to begin with. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, I'm scrolling on your, your website right now and I wanna dive into like one of these blocks or, or sure. features that I see. So it, it, you have, it says data that is localized, um, how, do, do you have people 
that are documenting all parts of, let's say, San Francisco, because this is an example of San Francisco. Like, how do you get the data in? And this might be a very basic question, but what is the data in like JSON or how does like how does other people work with that data? Again, I know this is super elementary, but I'm just I want to make sure I understand the uh, understand how it all works. I guess the, the first question is how do you get the location data in the mm -hmm. system? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. Uh, the way we get the data is twofold, right? So we, a lot of our clients have the data to begin with because uh, you know, self-driving cars just drive around everywhere and collect a bunch of data. So we do have a lot of location-specific data from clients, but we also go out and collect uh, data at problematic regions. So places in which you know, there's a lot of visual complexity, uh, maybe there's a lot of traffic, and there's a lot of uh, you know people walking across. You want to have greater reliability, so you go out and collect data data there. Um, we also have um, other techniques to collect data. So uh, people upload geotagged images on the web. Most of these are uh, Creative Commons uh, data, which you could use. Uh, we also you know have the other side of this, which is the annotation part. Uh, so it's not sufficient to just collect images. You want to have some kind of semantic information tied to those images. So this could be drawing boxes, you know, labeling pixels, uh, a multiple uh, number of things. And uh, we've actually, one of our key differentiators is we have a few uh, unsupervised techniques to get this annotation. As opposed to having a human label everything, uh, we actually use machines to do this based on the relationships uh, between places, right? Uh, yep. So, like, say, a park is going to look substantially different from a highway. But two highways are going to look fairly similar to each other. It's a lot of information that can be shared. This stuff blows my mind. I remember when I was actually, you know, where I am now at Galvanize, I was in, like, a, a data science intro class or something, and we were talking about how data perceives the difference of the letter A and the letter B and how, like, what goes through the, the mind of the, of the machine to figure out how they're different. And the fact that you are doing that, but with pictures and the fact that you're doing that, not with humans, but with, with code, like you're pretty much a genius. Like that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's an overstatement, but thanks. Well, I'm actually, I'm curious, um, like maybe, maybe not a genius. I think you're a genius, but like you, 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 you worked at these, like you've been in this realm for a little while. You said you worked at Google. You said you worked at Niantic. Um, what about this industry or, or this, I guess, technology interests right. you? And secondly, like what inspired you to leave those companies, uh, or leave the last company that to start Neuron Labs? Right. Um, what excites me in this space is that. You know, we're so close to having real-world applications of deep learning. Deep learning is such a powerful technique. You know, it works really well on the web, where we have a lot of really good sanitized images. But when you move this to the real world, it just doesn't really work. But the potential is huge. So uh, this is what really excites me. There's so many things we can do. Um, and what I've noticed in uh, big companies and even smaller companies is uh, they all have the belief that, you know, neural networks have to generalize. Uh, that's what we're taught in machine learning courses, right? You want to avoid overfitting. Overfitting is the devil. Uh, and this is true, right? If you don't, if you overfit, you're not going to be able to uh, run your model doing inference. But learning a location-specific model, while it looks like it's overfitting, 
uh, from you know a superficial level it's actually not uh, there's a lot of entropy at, at every location and uh, you want to learn the distribution of that location as well as possible even if you're training a general model right so now your task is actually different so you're not overfitting with respect to the task and i think that's something a lot of uh, big companies don't really quite understand yet and you know also the incentives in big companies are uh, a little different so um yeah it's hard to do something really revolutionary within a company definitely so a few more questions just not on this realm here so i uh, i'm curious do you uh, so ultimately you said a lot of your your a lot of your customers already have the data a lot of these self-driving car companies they have cameras they're collecting all this data so would you say that neuron labs is more of you got the data we got the incredible technology to allow you to to put that data into a neural neck neural sorry neural net and then out comes a result is that kind of how you're pitching or explaining neuron labs or how do you sell it like what's the sales cycle look like for something this advanced yeah so we work really closely with the customers uh, depending on what they need if they need more data we help them with the data but most of them have data so we help them with uh, the model training and the infrastructure uh, what we're building is actually a real world piece of infrastructure more than anything it's a neural layer over the world. So uh, let me explain what this means. So there's actually multiple pieces of this which are already under construction. Uh, you have other digital layers over the world at this point. Uh, you have the AR layer, which tries to you know, have a persistent virtual objects on the world. Uh, you have ge a geometry layer, which is uh, HD maps for self-driving cars. You, know, you have point clouds, meshes, that kind of thing. Uh, you also have like ride-sharing layers, right, with Uber. Uh, you orchestrate the movement of cars digitally. And what's really lacking here is a neural layer, right? So uh, many people kind of don't realize this is something like a power grid, right? So uh, at one moment, everything seems quiet. The moment you flip the switch, like the whole world is a different place. You have a lot more capability that you never really thought was possible a second ago. There's, a, there's a, a lot of infrastructure, digital infrastructure, that is currently under construction that I think is really valuable. So let's paint the, the picture or the vision of when, when you have, when Neuron Labs has created um, the, the ultimate worldwide neural layer, what is going to be possible then that isn't possible mm -hmm. now? What can people build that they can't today? Right. Um, I guess the main thing people will be able to build is uh, reliable and safe real-world applications. So this is not just uh, limited self-driving cars. Uh, AR has a very strong location-specific component as well. And uh, I think that's a huge bottleneck in the generalization of AI. It works well in specific places, but you know, without a location-specific layer, you're not going to be able to use it at any place. Um, I also think there's a huge personalization component to this. So if you have the infrastructure to train a location-specific model, you can also train a person-specific model. So it would be like each person has their own personal AI in which they can, which they can train and communicate with. Um, I think the possibilities are pretty exciting with this kind of work. Um, and of course, you can make it private and you know, make sure those things are handled as well.
Absolutely. Um, I like how you make the kind of the, you draw similarities between you got the augmented reality layer, you got drive sharing layer, uh, and you know now you got the neural layer that you're building. I want to dive into a little bit and actually the, the the former in the augmented reality layer. Um, I, I'm not sure how, how deep of a knowledge you have here, so so um, I'm just gonna give it a shot. I was first I was first introduced to the AR layer when Snapchat uh, did their. I don't actually remember all the details, but like the like the famous artist had balloons in in like the world, and you could only see it if you were wearing the spectrum. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that there are going to be tech companies that own uh, like countries? Like, I, yeah, can you can you unpack kind of that world for me? Because I have no idea. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I actually worked at Niantic, which is an AR company, and uh, they acquired a company called Escher Reality, which is trying to build something called the AR Cloud, which is uh, essentially an analog to uh, the neural layer, but for AR. Um, and there are multiple companies working on this, like Ubiquity 6 is another one of them. Uh, and yeah, all these companies are building persistent AR applications. I think there are a lot of challenges to this. Uh, AR relies a lot on the geometry of your scene. And geometry is really sensitive to things like lighting, weather, you know, slight perturbations, shadows. So there's still a long ways to go. But I like your idea of, you know, uh, building a piece of digital infrastructure for a whole country. That seems pretty cool. You know, you can work with the government to do that uh, or the people. You know, that could be pretty interesting. Well, something that I, that I just can only imagine, because I, know, I really know nothing about this stuff, so I can only dream. And, and I just think, imagine if you were just a park, right? A park in, in real life. Mm-hmm. But then just, the, I'm just going to use the big, the big tech companies because it's top of mind. But then like Facebook builds like, Facebook roller coaster, and then Snapchat builds the Snapchat slide, and then like Instagram, you know, they like, and then what if they're all on top of each other? Right. Are they, are, is this going to be, I don't know, I'm just so interested to see if real estate isn't confined to the world Definitely. and it's actually confined to different augmented dimensions. Like, what, a, what an inception point. Oh my Lord. <laughs> yes, 100%. That's going to really open up a lot of, you know, uh, really interesting applications. Yeah. I have a couple more questions on that realm, then we'll hop back, um, hop back to the present and future. But something I'm kind of uh, curious on: when you were working at Niantic, did you have, um, did you see, were you involved with Pokemon Go or like the launch of Pokemon Go, or like did you kind of get any of the? Uh, what was it like to build a? being a company that launched like something that innovative that like struck the world at so freaking fast? Or were you there after it launched? Like, do you like? Can I have some context there? Yeah, sure. So I joined after the game uh, got traction and okay. it was making a lot of money. But um, I joined right at the inception of the AR efforts of the company. So uh, they were trying to build a multiplayer AR uh, like feature, basically. And there's a lot of challenges with that in terms yeah. of localization and stuff like that. For sure. Yeah, I remember when when <laughs> I remember when Pokemon Go came out. Man, I was a kid in like a second. I like, played and I was out there catching Pikachu's and shit. All right. So let's, um, let's go, let's look kind of into your brain a little bit. So you, you're obviously very bright. You spend time thinking about some things that other people can't even fathom just because of your technological knowledge. So I'm kind of curious, what are some other kind of technologies, 
companies, industries, movements, problems that you spend your time thinking about, whether or not you're working on them doesn't really matter. But like, what, what kind of goes on in your brain when you're not thinking about neurons? I think, um, I think a lot about uh, aging, right? So uh, I'm really excited about aging because I think that it's actually a far more tractable problem than uh, it seems apparent, right? Uh, there's a lot of really cool research which shows that just knocking out one specific gene across different uh, species leads to like a 60% increase in life expectancy. Stuff like this is really interesting. I'm trying to get more into it. Uh, other things I think about are, so technology is great. You know, it's given us a lot of really cool things to do and uh, improved our lives. But I think we're slowly starting to see the uh, negative sides of it. And I think the next few years are going to be kind of a struggle to curb the negative uh, aspects of technology and, you know, really uh, solve a lot of our societal issues that stem from that. It's funny you say that. I think a couple of years ago, we were talking about the next the next five billion or I guess $10 billion companies are going to be built on the problems that the last 10, $10 billion companies created, which yeah. is kind of uh, it's kind of interesting. I'm curious, can you dive into that a little bit? What are some specific, um, sure. specific problems that the last tech companies have created that you think the new tech companies might, uh, you know, might go after? Definitely. So fundamentally, I think we're far more connected than we've ever been. So we kind of, as humans, feel like we belong to a large tribe, a tribe so large that we've probably never experienced this in the course of human history. And this leads to a lot of uh, different like, kind of problems when it comes to inequality of things. So uh, with any kind of tribe, there's always a power law. You know, uh, certain people are really, really good at specific things and everyone else feels really bad because, you know, they're not only are they not second place, but they're not even 10th place, right? So uh, when you become a part of a larger tribe, you're exposed to these power laws. You see people who are like, you know, really uh, different than you and they get a lot of the uh, attention. And so, you know, it makes people feel worse. Things like social media kind of uh, accentuate this. Um, these kinds of issues need to be dealt with on a society-wide basis in order to, you know, get everyone in a good uh, mental state. Uh, secondly, I also think I'm not sure how popular of an opinion this is, but I think it is very likely that people are be being manipulated through social media uh, as we currently speak, right? So I think uh, even if it's not explicit by a specific bad actor, I think there's a lot of emergent effects uh, in social media where people kind of co-opt things that they see as their own ideas and, the, and that kind of influences their own psyche and generates uh, thoughts in them which they think are unique but actually are influenced by what they read. Right? And I think uh, these are just avenues where these things can emerge. They may not be a specific bad actor, but they're just emergent. Definitely. I almost I almost feel bad for Mark Zuckerberg. Um, not because he, he, I mean, he's very rich and he's very successful and like good for him. But I don't think he, I think he knows some of the damage that he's done. And I don't think he like meant to do any of it, yeah. but that's just, uh, it's just what happens when you build a platform for 2 billion sure. people. Yeah. Any experiment can have bad side effects, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, but I do think that a lot of people don't like him, uh, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. I personally, uh, think 
he's a good dude and he knows what he's done and he's going to try to figure it out. Um, I, I hope he doesn't, I hope he, I hope he does just that go farther into the same direction, but I I guess we'll see over the next decade. Yeah. He has kind of a hard job, you know, he has a fiduciary duty to Facebook. He has to balance that with doing good for the world as well and correcting his problems. So yeah, Yeah. it's hard. It's, um, it kind of reminds me when I see, I would say kind of late adopter people who want to be founders who like don't understand that they're actually an adopter, like say, I want to build an app and just monetize through ads. And, but there's no like unique, there's no like something special about it. I'm just like, Oh, like that's a little, that's a little like 2008, but give it, give it a shot, you know, and then you can see what happens. But, um, that, that's interesting. I, those are, those are unique thoughts. I like that. Um, what, what do you think over your career, that you've had so far, what have been some of the biggest things that you've learned either about technology or it could just be about people that, you, that you've worked with? I'd love to hear some of your learnings over your, your, your pretty awesome career so far. Uh, thanks. I guess the most important thing I've learned is to ensure that you have the right objective function, right? So um, the world is an ambiguous place. There's a lot of uncertainty, but uh, any a bad plan is better than no plan at all, right? So you want to have some kind of a uh, objective function and constantly update that objective function. I think it was um, Hilbert, the mathematician Hilbert, who said uh, the perfect formulation of a problem is half the solution to the problem, right? Um, this, is some, this is a concept which is pretty universal, I think, uh, whether it's in startups or in personal life or a company, uh, you always want to have the right objective. And uh, the hardest thing to do is choose that objective, but I think it's worth thinking about. Yes, absolutely. That was kind of along, along the lines of instead of just swinging your axe as hard as you can at the tree, just spend some time sharpening it first. Definitely, yeah. And my my last my last question for you is: as you've been building Neuron Labs. You, you know, I'm sure you have learned things that you didn't necessarily expect to come up when starting a company. You know, I'm sure you've learned, you know, it's different from, uh, you know, from, from some other companies you've worked at, but you did it and now you're building a company that's going to, going to revolutionize a lot of things for us. And there's a lot of people that are listening who also have an idea or a problem they want to solve or a vision. Um, that they want to make happen, but they don't necessarily know how to how to just take that first step or quit that job or or or, or take that savings and invest. What advice would you have for listeners who want to start their own company but don't necessarily know the first step how to do that? Right. I guess it's often hard to know if your idea is going to work before you actually talk to customers and get some evidence that it's going to work. So it's an inherently risky proposition. But the only way you're going to find out if actually you get to something that works is by doing the process and adapting, right? So it is going to be hard, but be prepared to adapt. And if you can do that, you can kind of, like Dan said, he'll climb your way to success. Uh, You have to be adaptable. Boom. There it is. And my final question for you is if, if people want to learn more about you or find your company on the internet, what are some websites or social links that you can, that you can drop where people can find you? Sure, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at B-H-A-V-A-S-H-O-K. It's my Twitter handle, uh, www.neuronlabs.com. 
uh, we'll be releasing a series of blog posts in the near future to better explain uh, what we're doing. So stay tuned. That is exciting. Blog posts do wonders uh, for explaining products. So that's exciting. I'll be on the lookout. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'll be honest, I learned more than I think I've learned on any other podcast. And I, and I really appreciate you coming on. So thank you. Thanks a lot, Matt. It was a pleasure to be here.